Right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser in with a shot. He scores. A moment's notice. Adams leads to the line. Hughes scores. In this existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal. Quinn Hughes makes it one nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Check them out on all platforms. Uh, Free shipping, Canada-wide, on any order, over $50 over at Zephyr Epic. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined as always by the men who built the place. Chris Faber, our technical producer today, is Alex Allard. And Chris, this is my first post-dog show. This is my first show um, after getting little Bert is his name. He's a little cavapoo. He's eight weeks old right now. Um, I'm going to try not to talk about him too much because he's been running my life for the past three days. And this is uh, this is one of my few safe spaces, it feels like. Yeah, for at least like an hour here maybe, right? I don't know. You got to get back to that thing. You've been on uh, on Paw Patrol for so long, last couple days here. How's uh, How has it been? Because uh, you took Friday off, well, Saturday off, Sunday off, Monday off. Must be nice. But, I mean, you got the puppy there, so that's cool. Okay, how how well, has the puppy been? You took more time well, to off be clear, than I did with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, Monday was the only day I took off. I worked Saturday, which was the day we got him. I obviously worked Friday because I didn't have the dog. And I also worked Sunday. So I worked all that time. Monday, I even did a little bit of work, but it was really just work I was supposed to do on Sunday. But Monday, I actually took a vacation day, which was, uh, I, I definitely needed that. But I'm back today. Uh, and it's good. Like, I don't know. Um, crate training is, there's like up and ups and downs for sure. But he now chills in his crate. Like he's, he's now very, very chill in his crate. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, he's learned to really like his crate, which is what we really needed. Uh, to get some sleep and yeah he, he's doing a lot better his improvement over three days is really good he already knows come here he knows how to sit knows his name he, he's he's pretty smart like he, he's actually doing a really good job um yeah but he's still a puppy so he is a lot of work for sure yeah most definitely how's uh how's the peeing going because you told me he was only gonna pee in the pads he was only gonna go to the bathroom one spot have you learned that dogs like to pee yet he's he pees a lot but he's still good like he's 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 had like one accident and then he was fine after that but uh yeah we're gonna have to i'm not gonna get into it all on the on here maybe we'll do it on a patreon because people love hearing that but um yeah we're, we're in the process of changing the way he goes to the bathroom because he learned on uh like a litter box type thing and we want him on pee pads and outside so uh work in progress i know alex wants the puppy cam are we going to see Bert at any time on the show or is he is he a hidden dog? Is he he's got his own Instagram, doesn't he? He does. He does have an Instagram, uh, bert.thecavapoo on Instagram. You can go check him out. But um I don't know, like we'll see when he's going to get a shot um on the show. He's just not ready yet. He's just he's just not ready. 
All right, well, check him out on Instagram. You know uh, which former Canucks prospect has a Cavapoo? Do you know this? He's got his own, or she? No, he. He's got his own Instagram. Do you Cole know this? Lind. Cole Lynn. Theo the Cavapoo. He's, I, he's got I his own notice. IG. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, something yesterday, which was major. Major in Canucks conversation history. I, I noticed when I was posting the podcast. So I go on, I post the podcast yesterday, and I I'm, normally I have to put the episode number. Yesterday was episode 400 of the Canucks conversation. So completely missed out on that yesterday. Uh, but that's a that's a big milestone number, I think. So I, I feel bad that we didn't uh, recognize that number. 400 episodes of this show, Quads. You you came on on episode 61. So uh, we'll, we'll celebrate again, I guess, on, on episode 461. That'll be your 400th episode. But I've done 400 episodes of this show now uh, in total. That is crazy. Like, that is... Think about it. That's more than a show a day for a full year. So that's it. It's pretty cool, I think, uh, to look back how far the show has come since. Uh, geez, it would have been. I think it's coming up. Like this is our fourth year doing the show. So we did. We I started the show in December of 2019, which is wild to think back how different uh, life was back then. You started in 2018. 2018. Yeah, December 2018. I was a loyal listener before I became your co-host. That was your first uh, first show. We got might have to look that up. I'll have to. I don't think so. I think you're wrong. I know that for a fact. No, December 2019 is actually when I joined the show, and you were 60 episodes in at that. point. You know what? You might be right. Now that I think about it, because what when did the pandemic start? <laughs> did the pandemic start in 2020? Where's Alex? Alex is yes, Alex will know. It did. All right, 2020. It feels like that was 10 years ago now, doesn't it? I, I can't. I always throw the years of the last couple of years have been throwing me through a loop here. Um, all right. Let's get into some Canucks talk. Let's start with uh, my favorite moment from last night. Because there's a lot of things uh, at the Canucks game that I enjoyed. But can we get this Andre Kuzmenko banana thing up here first? This is this was unreal. I, I spotted this from the press box that I, I was looking. I'm like, oh, there goes Kuzmenko, because I've been following him giving away sticks for a while. I swear, no one in the league gives away as many sticks as Kuzmenko. So I'm watching him, and he goes out. He grabs the extra stick. He goes to bring it over. And then I'm watching the whole situation play out, and then I see this banana come flying out of the stands over the ice here. And Andre Kuzmenko traded a banana for a stick. Just just awesome. Like, I... I I look back at the Canucks over the years, and, and listen, I you know I'm almost 30 this year, so I haven't been around for the whole time, the whole entirety of the Vancouver Canucks history. But I can't think of anybody with as much personality and has as much fun with the fans as Andre Kuzmenko. Like, and we've been around this team very closely for you know the, the last five years or so. You and I, nobody comes even close to the personality that this guy has. It, it's unreal. He traded a stick for a banana. And that's the thing, Chris, like we have these conversations and we we have to cover these guys, uh, you know, as professionals, obviously, and we can't let, you know, personalities and stuff and who we like and who we don't like talking to get in the way. But how can you not like this guy? If you're a fan of the team, like, let's put us aside here. If you're just a pure fan of the team, this is just a great personality to have on your team. Like you, you want guys like this on your team. He, He can produce obviously. So that's the biggest reason, but having good characters like that, like I think of a guy like Eddie Lack, for example, right? Like, how his, you know, his personality kind of shone through, uh, even Luongo when it came to Twitter and whatnot. So, uh, you know, it's good to have these personalities. And again, the banana bit with Kuzmenko is just awesome. As you see him uh, give a fist bump to the junior trainer as well as he oh. gets off the ice. Just just a good guy to have around. Unreal. And and actually, I, I heard this uh, in the news and I, and I did some, some digging, right? I had to find this out. Andre Kuzmenko, massive, massive, massive fan. Of Archer Silovs, not only because he's been playing so good in net, but did you see Archer Silovs' Halloween costume? This was this is why no, actually. This is why Kuzmenko loves Silovs so much. It's because Archer Silovs was a banana for Halloween. On <laughs> Halloween, he dressed up as a banana. So you know that Kuzmenko loves this guy. Okay? He dressed up as a banana. Could you imagine? I don't know where Kuzmenko is. He probably is somewhere around this photo. With hearts in his eyes somewhere, but look at this, Archer Seelovs, and I mean he's been excellent so far. Name of the episode, don't stop the Artie. We got a new uh, Archer Seelovs Artie party music as well. We'll get to that in just a minute, but had to throw this up there because does, did Seelovs know something before he came to the Canucks? And he's like, I'm going to dress up as a as a banana for Halloween. Incredible. So I know that uh, I know Kuzmenko is a big fan of the goaltender as well as the person. So uh, overall, good stuff there from the 21 year old. 
let's start there. Let's start with the 21-year-old Latvian netminder who last night was fantastic against the Nashville Predators. Uh, obviously, Elias Patterson was instrumental in that win, but Arcusilovs really played his part in that shootout victory over the Nashville Predators, stopping all three shots that he faced, even if he didn't think he maybe stopped the last one, uh, stopping all three that he faced, all three Nashville shooters turned aside uh, by the Artie party. So let's start there, Chris. Let's, let's hear this new drop. I oh. hear you've been working on it all day long. I have. Okay. Here is the new Artie Party song, which is, I, I, we took it up a level because last night I asked Archer Seelaws, what do you think about the Artie Party? So then we took it, we made it into a song. Here it is, the new Artie Party. A lot of people are calling it an Artie Party when you're in that. I like that. He likes it. Party party. It's taken off. It started in Abbotsford. It's down the highway. It's at Rogers Arena. Everybody's having an arty party. Did you see the video that the uh, the Canucks quote tweeted as well? A couple of kids down in Australia there. And I know we have some listeners in Australia. It looked like uh, they were up in the morning, it looked like, watching this game. And these two kids are screaming, Artie Party! They're cheering for Pedersen. And these two little kids are screaming, Artie Party! Yelling at this. Like, everybody's catching the fever a little bit. You still got to get him back to the HL, though. Even though he's been really good. I, uh, like, can we have that conversation? I, I know we've had it before, but has your mind and hey, hey, before that sorry that was my first time hearing the new arty party music fantastic oh. job my friend i think there is a there is a future producing uh beats in your uh well in your future that's uh butchered that but you know what i meant uh archer Silovs. okay have you changed your mind at all now that you've seen him have some success at the nhl level have you at least said wow quads told me so oh no i don't think so i never say that uh no i i mean i still think that, that we are still a year at least away from like actually getting him in the opportunity to be a backup. I have no problem with him at some point next season getting that, but I really just do think it's about games. And I think something that's been consistent throughout the season, like, you know, everybody is getting a chance to see him at the NHL level. And I don't mean, I don't mean to be like, um, two up on my high horse about this, but like, I've been talking to this guy at pretty much every two weeks down there in Abbotsford as well. So I've had an opportunity to spend a lot of time kind of picking his brain about it. And the consistent thing, and I asked him about it again last night is he's always just making little changes and it's still a work in progress for this guy, right? Like there are certainly a lot of times where he's going to be beat by just a simple shot. And when you're at the NHL level, you're going to face a lot of simple shots. And when you when you are a goaltender that's going to be consistently playing at that level, you've got to be able to stop those simple shots. So I think that's something that he still needs to work on. I, I felt like there were times last night that, yes, he had a good game and he was excellent in the shootout. He made some really big saves. Typical saves like we've seen where I've been talking about for a long time. He's extremely acrobatic. He's, he's flexible. He's long. There's length there. The big glove save that he made, the big right pad save that he dove across and made. Like Those are the things that you have to really like about his game. And at such a young age, those are the things that you want to see him consistently want to grow on. But the, the other parts is it's similar almost to Niels Huglander, right? Like There's no question about Niels Huglander having offensive skill, puck possession skills, those type of things at the NHL level but you want him to round out the other parts of his game. So to me, it's a similar thing with Seelobs where his, you know, his, he's very athletic. That's all really good. But I think you just want to see a couple of positional things be kind of ironed out still. And I think a lot of that is going to take game action because I really do think that no matter how much you practice with an NHL team or get an opportunity to spend with your goaltending coach, Mikey DiPietro is a fine example of it. You need those game action. Like you need to play in games and see the different angles that come from a forward coming down the wing on you or shots from the point with bodies in front. Like you, you can, you can try as much as you want to kind of replicate that in practice. It's just simply not going to be the same of what you get in a game. And I don't think he's going to get enough games if he's up here with Thatcher Demko as kind of his running mate. So Get him down to the AHL. I, I have been a little worried, not necessarily worried, because I do think I know what they're doing with Spencer Martin down there. I think they're giving him a, a good amount of the starts in the in the AHL right now before they get him back up to the NHL. But I'm curious to see how that kind of shakes down in the AHL once we get to that point of Colin Delia probably going back. Right, like when Spencer Martin gets back from this kind of conditioning stint in the AHL, he's going to get back up. He's going to be the backup. Delia is going to go down. 
And then at that point, it's like, we've seen flashes where Delhi has been pretty good. Like it's nice. It's good. It's been fine. But then we've also seen him not be a great goaltender. I think as much as he's been a good story this season, um, he, he still should be the fourth goaltender on the depth chart. Like when you actually kind of pan out your NHL and AHL, like Delia should be getting the least amount of starts in the AHL. Like Silov should still be the starter. I mean, we're still just coming off of like a few, like not even like a, you know, a week ago, Silas was named AHL goaltender of the month. So you want to see him get back into that league and continue to roll like that, I think. I I have to agree with you. And it's interesting that I'm agreeing with you because we've had this conversation before and I, I've made it clear that down the stretch here, I, I still stand by this part that I would like to see him split some starts with Thatcher Demko. And I know the only reason he started last night was because Colin Delia went down uh, with a non-COVID-related illness, right? And I, I understand that, but I, I think watching him at the NHL level more, and it's not like I thought he was NHL ready, right? Like, that's not where this take comes from, but you're right. There is things with his positional play. There's The thing that I noticed the most, and you, I also want to hear your opinion on this, and maybe the listeners as well in the YouTube live chat, his rebound control uh, has never been great. I think he's improved with each game on the rebound control, but his rebound control has really just like, I I think that's the thing right now. The biggest thing I would say that's holding him back from being an NHL goaltender. Like he's got the athleticism. He's got the flexibility. You brought up length. He only makes those saves in the shootout, especially the third one because he's so quick and able to get down in the butterfly so fast and, you know, really seal off the bottom of the net. Uh, Seelov seals it off. Uh, There's a shirt idea in there somewhere i mean we got to do the arty party shirts first i think uh before the canucks like <laughs> trademark that but apropos to the 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 positioning and the rebounding i think it's interesting to look at that because if he's able to i think work on some of the positional things i think that's going to benefit the rebounds right i think that's where a lot of rebound control comes from is the way that you position yourself not only with your body and where you are in the crease but how you're positioning angles off of shots too and that is just something that kind of like I said earlier, comes from game action, right? It comes from game action, reviewing the tape, how you are taking shots, the way that you are attacking shooters, those type of things. So that that's going to come eventually down the road here. I think it's just going to take more game action. And I really do hope that when he does get to the AHL, he is rolling as the starter. And Jesse brought up a comment uh, in the YouTube that I do want to get to because uh, Jesse said, Delia wanted to reinvent, never expected NHL games. Applaud him for what he's done. Uh, and thanks for really relaying that quads because it is true uh delia wanted to come here and work with ian clark right like that's what he wanted to do and he was blown away with the the ability to kind of improve his game early on in the ahl get that opportunity up here in the nhl and yeah like it's good for him he does want to work on his game he's never worked with a goalie coach like this right so i think that's a huge opportunity for delia to continue to work on it but um i I just don't think he's the long-term fix like it maybe he wants to stay around the organization because he likes the fit and might see some nhl opportunities but um it's just it's going to be very hard for him to uh, to kind of surpass what Seelovs is doing and how Seelovs has played so far this season. It's kind of showing that that it's like there there has to be some thought behind looking at Seelovs and saying like, geez, like there there looks like a very bright future in this kid's uh, in this kid's life here. I know there was a question earlier about it. Quads uh, asking about how do you feel with your son having this much success early on in the NHL. I mean, it's great to see, but back to this idea of. Who should be the backup next year? You you said, okay, yeah, he's got to be the AHL starter. And I absolutely agree with you, Chris. And the reason for that is just, I think of the days of development, and I'm not saying they're going to ruin Seelovs by playing him as an NHL backup, but I think of the days of development with, you know, a, a guy like Adam Gaudet. Let's take him for an example, where coming into the year, it was, okay, well, they don't really have a 3C, the Canucks at the time, and we really need this guy to hit. Mm-hmm. And even though maybe he wasn't the best option, like like he was probably the best option on their roster, but you know, they were in this win now mode and they said, okay, well, he he's our he's our best option. And it didn't allow him to really round out his game beyond being a guy who's a fourth line center. And again, we've seen what Adam Goddard's done uh from this point on. I'm not saying that the Canucks ruined his development or anything like that. But you see what they're doing in the AHL right now and how there's a change of philosophy, right? Where, you know, a guy like Nils Huglander, he could probably help this team right now. But instead, he's playing in the AHL because they want him to be someone that can really help this team in a year or two, right? So you're seeing this patience with development 
And when it comes to signing a backup goaltender, um, you know, maybe Seelovs is the best option out of the goalies they have right now, aside from Thatcher Demko. But going into next year, I think you really want to have someone who's, you know, a, a bona fide backup that you're actually relying on, not someone that, okay, well, he's worse than Thatcher Demko, who's one of the best goalies in the league when he's healthy, as we're seeing right now. Uh, so we got to ride Demko, and then you throw the guy off. Like, you look at Jaroslav Halak, right? Like, that's the biggest criticism with Halak. Um, you know, he, he's had a pretty good year behind Shesterkin in New York, and that's one of the best goalies in the league, too. Granted, he's not having the year that he did last year. But what I'm trying to get at, Chris, is you have to have an NHL backup that you trust, that you're also, you know... Um, taking the workload off of Demko. I think that's the big focus for this team next year. Uh, going into next season, I, I, I don't really know if uh, there's any other option for this team than to have Seelovs playing in the AHL. That I think that's the best for this team uh, moving forward. I think that's the best for Archer Seelovs development. Uh, I, I honestly think it's a no-brainer. Here's my question then, because the goaltending situation for next year I'm still in the camp of Spencer Martin will be the backup to start next season. I know a lot of people in the chat have given me crap for that, but I I think Spencer Martin is going to be the backup next year because here's the way that I look at the situation. I've seen people uh, talk about, hey, like bring in a veteran to back up Thatcher Demko because the Canucks are obviously going to be going for the playoffs next year. Like that is the way that this team is shaping out right now with the heroic trade being done and a lot of additions here with, you know, players on LTIR, you hope they come back healthy next year. All of it's pointing towards the Canucks making a push for the playoffs next year. That's the way that everything feels right now with this organization. So the thought is out there of, hey, let's go get a veteran goaltender who can go out there and back up spent back up uh, Thatcher Demko. And I get the, I get the thought process behind it. But I don't think you're going to find that guy for league minimum. And I think right now, looking at what the Canucks cap space is going to look like, that's not the the spot that I would be spending a lot of money at right now because of Archer Seelovs and how he's played so far this year. I think you can hope that by the halfway point of the season, he's your backup. Like, I hope that he's the one eating up some games in the second half of the season to give Demko a break because Demko, I think, is going to be trusted on a lot early on because the Canucks can't start like they did this year. They need Demko to be on next year to make the playoffs. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Demko. I don't think that the Canucks want to utilize that cap space and, and say spend $3 million on a backup. I think they want to take that $3 million and, and find a 3C. Like they want to find a center who can actually help this lineup or help or find a defenseman that's going to play, I, I think, with Philip Aronik. Because I do think there's going to be some options at left side on defense where they're going to look that way instead of it just doesn't feel like the money is well invested if they end up spending two to three million dollars, you know, on a backup goaltender. When you have Spencer Martin, who's proven at times that he can be effective, listen, he he's not ready to be an NHL starter. We have clearly seen that this season. I still don't think it's the worst thing in the world to let this guy work on his game down in the AHL a little bit, let him come back up to the NHL, get back with Ian Clark, have a lot of practice time while Demko's kind of running things for a little bit, but still, you know penciling him in for a game here and there, making sure Demko doesn't play three, four in a row type of thing and build Spencer Martin back up to the point where you were last year thinking like, Hey, he could be the guy that could back up and play 20 games, right? Like that's, that's, I think what you can expect next season. And even if we're, we're kind of adding sea laws into the equation now, like you're only really going to need like 10 to 15 games of Spencer Martin next season by the point of getting to, you know, February, March, maybe even January where you're like, okay, Seelovs is looking really good as the AHL starter. He's at the point now where we'd like to have him at the NHL. We'd like to have him backing up at the NHL. It's not so much about him playing and playing and playing anymore. It's about, we can utilize this asset who's on his ELC to help the NHL team. And that's a huge thing for the Canucks to do when it comes to their cap, because their cap is going to give them such problems. Like I, I really don't, I think it's been understated that like the Canucks are over the cap going into next season right now. It's wild. It's, it's wild to see what happens unless they know something that we don't know about like OEL staying on, you know, LTI for a long time or whatever it may be. The Canucks are over the cap going into next season. How are they going to improve without, you know, OEL sticking on LTI or trading JT Miller. Like those are the two ways that you can clear up some cap space. I think you could as well with a trade with Tyler Myers too, but it's like no team is taking Tyler Myers at $6 million. So you're, you're eating some of that cap to make the trade in the first place. So there's a lot. And I've also seen this idea floated out there by some people of like, Hey, just, uh, you know, take that bonus for Tyler Myers and then trade him to, to Arizona. 
It's like Tyler Myers still has a no, uh, like a, a certain team no trade list here. I gotta, I'm gonna have to look that up to see how many it is, or maybe you can do that for me here, quads. But like Tyler Myers is not gonna be shipped off to the Arizona Coyotes. It's just not gonna happen. Like he, some team is actually gonna want Tyler Myers at like four million dollars or three million dollars, whatever retention you have to put on it. And then it's just going to be the cap space is such a problem going into next season that I don't think investing money into a, you know, guy who's even making over $2 million as your backup, though it's going to help. I I really think you can bank on Spencer Martin just kind of patching things up until January, February, March, like I've said, and then get Seelovs out there to back up the rest of the season because then he's had a real good run of development. He's been the guy down there in Abbotsford. He's going to get that chance this year to do the playoffs, and that's going to be big for him in the AHL. And then just kind of roll into next season with a lot of confidence. He's already shown that he can have some success at the NHL level. But we should also be aware that though Seelovs has shown well this season, Spencer Martin showed better last year. And goaltending is voodoo, man. So you got to be kind of careful here with banking on goaltending because you want to see more development from Seelovs before you kind of cash in that bank amount, right? Like you got to see that at some point um, over the future here. But right now I just let him develop in the A. Uh, and hope for kind of a year from now being the landing point when he comes back and can back up for the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely. And you, you brought up a really good point about Spencer Martin, right? Like he signed through next year. And the reason they sent him down to Abbotsford, it wasn't because they gave up on him or anything like that. It was because they really need him to rebuild his game. He's getting in work with Marco Terenius. Remember the Canucks goaltending coach in the AHL uh, that was signed this past offseason. This is a guy that Ian Clark really trusts, right? He's getting to play a lot of games. Uh, this is what this team needs to do with Spencer Martin is rebuild his game because he's not going anywhere, right? Like, sure, you can bury the cap hit, which is fine. But in a perfect world, you're right. They would love to have him as the backup next year. They would love to be able to do that. But... I, th- I think you need to see a lot from Martin over this next month or so as the AHL season closes out um, in order for you to go into the summer and into next year with the belief that, yeah, you know what? That was just a bump in the road when we heard uh, Demko, Demko wasn't going to be able to be around. Um, this guy can do it for us. I-, I-, I wonder what you have to see from him to do that quickly. I want to get this in, Chris, because this is a comment uh, from Corey Anderson, I think sums up pretty well what I'm trying to say here when I talk about a veteran backup. Corey Anderson in the YouTube live chat said, I'm not advocating for a $3 million guy. If you can't get that backup for a contract that you can bury, then I'm totally okay with Mil- Martin excuse me, being a backup. Again, now I agree with this. I don't know if it's it's going to be, you're going to be able to get a completely buryable contract, but maybe like $1.5 million so that you're only um, burying about $300,000, 400000 uh, in the minors, if you do have to send him down, but there are some buy low options out there, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to list them all. But, I got a few here um, to bring someone up. Someone in the chat as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring up a yeah, couple. But like, are, are you really like, are, are you banking on a 38 year old Thomas Grice being a better option? Are you banking on David Riddich being a better option? Like Yaroslav Halak? Do you want to circle back there? Like Craig Anderson? Is he going to be 44 and playing in net for you? Like, I, I just don't think. A lot of these guys show as much potential for the Canucks in the future here. Like, do you want James Reimer? Like, is, is he going to be an all? Like, it, these are the type of names that you're talking about here. Um, Tristan Jari is probably going to be more than more than three million, like two and a half plus. Like, I just I'm looking at a lot of the names on the UFA market for goaltenders next year, and I'm I'm obviously sticking away from like the Jonathan Quicks and uh, some of the bigger name guys, but like it's not like you're looking at this and thinking, okay, how much better are these guys than, than even like a Colin Delia? Like, you know, like at that point, he's another UFA next season. So like, is he the option for you? I just, I think keeping it in house with your same goaltending department with like Ian Clark works with these goaltenders. We know the magic that he does. It's something that can happen and develop through an off season as well. So I I'm curious to see, like I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Spencer Martin have somewhat of a backup. I know I've been ripped for this take, but I don't think this season's version of Spencer Martin is what you're going to see for the future. Like he, he was asked to be the starter in the NHL and that's extremely difficult. We've seen how hard it is even on a Thatcher Demko to develop and how good of a goaltender he is. But man, like I, I think I'm still feeling half decently confident about Spencer Martin being able to back up the next season. That's how I feel on it. Yeah, absolutely fair. Um, also, Laurent Brassois is a good guy uh, from Surrey to keep an eye on. I am not reporting anything. I'm just saying that I think that might be a good little buy low option and someone who can um, who can kind of you know 
give you serviceable goaltending in a backup role. Last thing on the topic, Chris, uh, that I want to mention, someone brought it up in the YouTube live chat, worth mentioning that when Colin Delia signed, I had the conversation with him out at eight rinks before the season even started. Had the scoop, if you will. Uh, when I asked him about why he signed in Vancouver, he literally just said, you know, it's to, it's to work with Ian Clark. It's to get some structure in my game. Um, in Chicago, he talked about how, you know, there wasn't much teaching or coaching that was going on. It was just go make saves type mm. thing. And, you know, we, we know that goaltending is a little more complicated than that. Right. And, you know, Delia was learning a lot of new concepts, obviously this season, but um, this was supposed to be a year where he really learned a lot and kind of restructured his game and maybe hit the UFA market with some better numbers. It didn't happen that way this year, but I wonder if he wants to re-sign. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how this kind of all plays out. Because, yeah, like I said, his goal was to kind of remodel his game when he signed here. It wasn't, yeah, you know, I really want to challenge for the NHL backup role. Like, when he came here, he said, like, you know, I've, I just saw Spencer remodel his game in Abbotsford, right? And the proof's in the pudding. Like, I can do that. That, that was kind of his mindset coming into this year. All of a sudden, Martin struggles, and now it's a 1A, 1B of two guys who you know, uh, haven't really played on an efficient NHL level. Uh, it's a different year. And I'm curious to hear from Colin kind of what, uh, what he makes of his season as a whole and, you know, what he thinks the future holds for him in that regard. Well, from the point you just made there, that's an excellent counterpoint to my thought process of the goaltending is like, Hey, like the, there's goalies around the league that want to work with Ian Clark and maybe they are willing to take a million less dollars to do a one-year deal with the Canucks, be the backup and have the opportunity to work with the best goaltending coach in the world. So maybe, maybe you do have a chance of having Tristan Jari coming here for $2 million. And maybe you do have some other names out there. Like, you know, Frederick Anderson is going to be uh, a guy who's going to be a free agent this off season. Like there, there are certainly some options where maybe they have the same thought process as Delia and they would like to, not necessarily rebuild their game, but kind of re-up their game as maybe, you know, in the in the age range of like 30 to 34 to be able to kind of juice a couple more years out of their career if they get a chance to work with Ian Clark. Like, I, I don't know the goaltender market that much. We'll have to get Woodley back on here uh, pretty soon to chat about this kind of situation. But let's move on uh, to Elias Patterson as well. I just, I want to watch this goal again because last night he, he opens the scoring in the game last night. And by the way, 7.30 start time last night, what a joke. Everybody around the rank too, when we're going in there, they're like, this game's going to overtime. This game's going to the shootout. The, you know, the people in the elevator, the, the security workers, everybody, they're all saying, this is going, you guys know this is going overtime, eh? You better get ready. It's going to be a long trek home. I felt bad for, uh, for Weggs out there, Pastor Dabulis. He's got to drive back home, uh, out to like pretty much past Surrey just to get home. I know you probably didn't get back till about 1230 last night, but let's have a look at this Elias Pedersen snipe last night. Like this, couldn't have been any more top corner. This is from Grady Sass on Twitter. Um, slowing it down with Elias Pedersen just ripping it. You cannot shoot a puck better than that. And, I, and it was funny because I asked uh, Petey about this, and he was kind of surprised the time that he got there, right? Like Adam Foote is the coach for the Vancouver, the assistant coach for the Vancouver Canucks. He's looking at his son, and he's thinking, thanks for all the time and space for our best shooter there, bud. He, you know... Petey was able to rip this thing, and he put it into the top corner. It went in and out so fast, the only person who knew it hit the back of the net was uh, Andre Kuzmenko, it felt like. Uh, and that's 30 goals for Elias Pettersson. It was also 300 points over his uh, career, his young career right now. But I tell you what, I wanted to bring this up a little bit. Just seeing Pettersson score 30, it's, it's exciting, right? Like, as much as there's been negativity around this organization and as crappy as the season has gone... I, I can't imagine how crappy this show would be coming in here at one o'clock every day if the Canucks didn't have Elias Pettersson. Like, at least he does things like this, and you look at him and you're like, man, like, the Canucks are just very lucky. The fan base is lucky that this is a guy that you get to watch uh, consistently play in a Vancouver Canucks jersey. I mean, just like Canucks uh, need right-handed D, which is a hilarious username said uh, on uh, on YouTube. That's a great username uh, for the chat. It says the shot is insane. I mean, yeah, like the, that type of shot. And I asked him, like I when I asked him about it, he said, yeah, like the time and space, he was looking for a pass. Like he was probably looking for that backdoor tap-in uh, with Andre Kuzmenko. But when he saw that he had that much time and space, he adjusted, not, not, not necessarily like in-game, but during the play, right? Like he's looking for a pass. 
He's like, no, I'm going to shoot this. He kind of read the defense to make that move. Talked about doing that as well with UC Saros in the shootout where he said, like, he's beat me twice this year on the shootout or twice in his career uh, in the shootout. I need to try something different. So uh, he didn't pull the he didn't pull the Forsberg. He didn't pull one of his typical deeps. He went five hole and scored. Like, you can just see how much of a cerebral player Elias Pettersson is, right? And that's not my word of the day. That's just a good word. Uh, but Elias Pettersson last night, I mean, didn't have the best game, I don't think. And you could kind of see some some visible frustration as he's heading to the bench multiple different times last night. But that shot, you just you watch it, you marvel. You're you're just it's, it's like I said, like uh, the Canucks fans, like thank thank the Lord we still had this this season because this would have been really bad without Elias Pettersson or if he wasn't playing up to his you know potential at this point. And I still am down to continue the argument if anybody wants to argue against it. Like this guy's a superstar in the NHL. He really is. I, I can't. Anybody that argues the other way, I think, is completely wrong. So that's just the way I stand with Leos Patterson. It was great to see that one last night. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Jesse and Corey in the YouTube live chat interacting with us here. Uh, Corey makes a really good point. Uh, Elise Pedersen has more shorthanded goals than he does power play goals. Uh, first in PK points and goals in the league. And that is just absurd that we're seeing that production. Um, again, like you're dangerous shorthanded if you're Elias Pedersen, right? Like teams have to contend with you. And I know the Canucks penalty kill is awful. And I don't think much of that is his fault. But mm. the fact that he's putting up goals while they're shorthanded is just like, we're not used to penalty killers doing oh, that. In it's this a market. treat. We're just not used to seeing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Do you, do you want to move on here? Or do you have anything else on PD that you wanted to get in before we go to odds and ends? No, but uh, I mean, you, you brought it up too. like the, the penalty kill is just benevolent for the actual success of this team moving forward. Right. Like to see this guy have success on the penalty kill is something that I like. Remember when, when Rick Tockett got brought in and we were like, Oh, he wants to, you know, take his stars off and not give them as much ice time and keep them off the penalty kill. All these type of things, and I was like, ah, like Pedersen looked really good on the penalty kill with Bo Horvat, and he's kind of just not really missed a beat playing with now JT Miller as his kind of partner on the penalty kill there. So uh, we'll get to odds and ends. I've seen a lot of people in the chat um, asking about a lot of NCAA stuff, so let's just. I just want to start with kind of just. Uh, Doing like, I don't know, I feel like this is like an overall statement on the NCAA free agent pool. You can sign NCAA players as of yesterday, okay? You can sign these players as of yesterday. Their seasons just need to be over. So you're looking around the league right now. There's a lot of, or not the league, around the NCAA, you're looking at a lot of schools that season is already over. They're normally pretty bad teams. So there's not a lot of guys that are in the NCAA right now that have a ton of interest. But I'll tell you this, Aiden McDonough, plays in the Hockey East tournament. You have to win the Hockey East tournament to get to the Frozen Four uh, and kind of work your way into the NCAA playoffs. It's a long kind of 
I feel like it's about 10 days long um, for for this uh, Hockey East tournament. McDonough could be available to sign as soon as Wednesday, so tomorrow, uh, depending on how his first game in the Hockey East tournament goes. Um, so this could be this like this is going to be fast and furious with NCAA players coming. It's it's not like a timeline. I get when everybody asks me when can they sign, when can they sign, like they can sign today, like they could sign today if there's a guy who doesn't have any more NCAA games left in his postseason play. But you kind of just need to follow the games. There's certain games on Wednesday. There's going to be a lot on the weekend, like the next few weekends. There's going to be a lot of Mondays where you're going to start to see some players sign. You're going to start to see some players get into the organization on Mondays and Tuesdays here. Um, Jake Livingstone is obviously a name that needs to be talked about. The Canucks have shown interest in Jake Livingstone. Um, I'm not sure if Livingstone is for sure with the Vancouver Canucks. I, I know that he's shown interest back to them because of the spot for him to land. Um, Sam Molinsky is like Elite Prospects has done a really good job of, of utilizing some analytics to kind of break down these NCAA prospects. The two defensemen that actually rank the highest, uh, I did see his name mentioned earlier, uh, Sam Malinsky is obviously one of them. Um, the other one that ranked out as like a 99 percentile of defensemen in the NCAA, Jesse just nailed it in the chat as I'm saying it, Akito Hirose. Um, he's the left shot guy to keep an eye on. There's also, geez, I think is, I forget his name sometimes, Jacob Bengston, uh, Bengston, uh, Swedish kid, six foot three, left shot defenseman, keep an eye on him. Obviously, the Vancouver Canucks, they seem to love their Swedes. It's not a bad thing. Uh, as you can read from our Blackfish report today, lots of uh, Swedish prospects talking about for the Vancouver Canucks. So that's been good. Uh, I would keep an eye on him. I, I think the Canucks, there's four defensemen to watch. Four defensemen, I'll tell you what, as somebody who follows the Canucks, and for everybody listening to this is a Can- that is a Canucks fan, if the Canucks were to get two of the next four names, I say, it's a great job by them in the NCAA because yes, the Canucks have opportunities, but just the way that the NCAA works, a lot of these players end up going to the Rangers, the Bruins, the, the the teams that are running a lot of things at a high level and actually bringing in these players for development camps. Like a lot of these guys that are playing NCAA hockey, a lot of them are in the East, right? Like there's a lot of Minnesota. There's a lot of Massachusetts. There's a lot of really good NCAA hockey teams just in the eastern part of the United States. That's just the way it is. And when you are playing for those universities, you typically like to go to a development camp that's nearby, right? So a lot of them are going to Rangers development camp. A lot of them are going to Bruins camp, Carolina camp, Minnesota wild camp. Like that's where you're seeing a lot of these big names pop up. Livingstone's an interesting one because yes, he's from BC. No, he has not been to a Vancouver Canucks development camp. It's been his decision for my conversations with him that he just didn't want to attend any development camps as he's playing. His main focus is just on uh, playing for Minnesota Mankato. He's not doing any media. I've contacted him. He's not doing any media for the next little bit. He wants to focus on the playoffs here. But when his team gets eliminated, it's basically going to be like the floodgates are going to open and 32 teams are going to be calling. That's what I've heard from a lot of agents uh, about Livingstone. He's going to be the number one people that, players are going after but the four names uh i want to mention i I think i've said them all jacob bengston um akito hirose those are the two left shot guys sam malinsky jake livingstone those are two right shot guys if the canucks were to land two of these guys i look at that as an extremely successful run at the ncaa free agency if they land three of these guys like man they have done an excellent job and this this ncaa free agent pool because of covid because of guys wanting to stick around and actually have you know, an experience in college, which I think is a massive part for these guys that are not only, you know, not only athletes, but student athletes. Like they want to get the experience of NCAA. They've stayed an extra year. It feels like due to COVID. So this, this free agency here, this is almost like a two years into one of actually getting these players coming out. Like this is a massive year for NCAA prospects and the Canucks, the fact that they have six open roster spots, they should be as active as possible. And I saw JD Burke tweeting about this, uh, from elite prospects. Like he's heard that the Canucks are very active on the market. I know that their scouting staff has been doing, they're traveling right now. I know that their scouting staff is out on the road right now doing a lot of this NCAA scouting. They're not only, you know, calling players, but they're down there in person. I know that for a fact that their pro scouting group is also being involved in it. So like the Canucks are extremely active in the NCAA market. I'm sure other teams are as well. But I'm just reporting from what I know for the Vancouver Canucks. I know they're on the road right now looking at these NCAA players. And hey, let's not forget Patrick Alvin talked about NCAA free agents. He talked about European free agents. When he's asked about how are you going to fix this team, that's something this management group's been upfront about. So we'll see how they do on the NCAA free agent market. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Chris. 
you said it'd be massive if they could sign two of these guys, uh, you know, and there's four names that you threw out there. I'm going to ask you to make a prediction based on what you know. You're not reporting anything, just a prediction. How many NCAA free agents do the Canucks actually land? Don't have to name names. Just give me a number. I'll give you one name. I do think they are going to land. I think they're going to land Sam Malinsky. I, I do think they are going to land him. I Just from conversations I've had, I can't guarantee it, obviously. But if I had to make a prediction, I think they land him. Um, I also think that they're going to land probably four four or five guys. Like I do think they'll land four or five guys because the, the European market is not as great this year. Um, so I'd keep an eye on Sam Malinsky being the name for sure. Start to watch the kid if you get an opportunity. Heck, if you want, you know, watch some Cornell games as they roll into their playoffs here and see what this kid does because he also, a big reason why, and I've talked about this on the show in the past, the big reason why Malinsky's so high in a lot of people's rankings for NCAA prospects, and actually, you know what, there's not even a rankings out there. There should be. I should do that for Canucks Army. But um, the reason why Malinsky, I think, has played so well and drawn so many eyes is when he's in big games is when he plays his best. And you just love to see that. Aiden McDonough is a very similar dude in this situation where, like, big games, McDonough shows up. Like, you know, if Northeastern ends up losing out and they're eliminated and they lose, like, a 3-2 game, McDonough's probably got one or two of those goals. Like, he does show up big in those big moments. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, and I see Jesse said, Dolly Wall reported that uh, the Canucks are after Hirose hard. Uh, which is good news. Uh, like I, I mentioned, JD a couple times. JD is extremely high on him, uh, and Hirose and Malinsky were the two top ranked uh, defensemen from the analytics that they were running over on um, EP rank side. So if you land those two, boom, you would love to see that. Like I said, if the Canucks get two of those four defensemen that we've talked about, I'd be very happy. I'd be very happy. I know you're not getting you know, 18 year old prospects, but you're also not spending a draft pick here, right? Like you're, you're adding a young player to your organization. You can call them a prospect. Or you can not call them a prospect. You're adding a guy who's in his young twenties to this group. And I think that's a great addition uh, in the end. I, and this is something we'll be talking about on the daily. Heck we'll, we'll probably be, maybe we'll be previewing Aiden McDonough's game tomorrow uh, in the end. But that's the other thing too. If the Canucks land like two of these defensemen and Aiden McDonough, like, boom, you're, you just got three NHLers probably there. And you have to see what happens with McDonough. Maybe he isn't an NHLer, but, like, you know, you at least have to give him that go because he's scoring at an incredible rate in the in the NCAA, and he's big-bodied winger. Like, those are the type of things you want to see. So um, it's going to be an exciting few weeks here, right? It's going to be a fun few weeks. The Canucks are going to be active. I, I would not be surprised to see them use four or five contracts here on NCAA, guys. Okay, uh, we'll close out this conversation with a question from a listener here on the YouTube live chat. Jesse Town asks you, would you say McDonough is better than Gaudette was uh, when he came out of the NCAA? Remember, Gaudette won the Hobie Baker Award, right? Like, is he better than Adam Gaudette? Uh, in the NCAA, no. Adam Gaudette was a better NCAA player, but I think you you look at the 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 type of player and how it transitions to an NHLer and a pro hockey player. I think you'd, you'd lean towards McDonough. Like, McDon- like listen, Gaudette was doing a lot of these similar things that McDonough was doing at the NCAA, but it's not like he really had the the all-around game to kind of transition to the NHL as a center. Like, I really think Gaudette should have been a winger in the NHL. I think he still should, like, really get involved in being a winger uh, instead of a center because I think that's where the, he plays his best hockey. Um, but I, I think McDonough, because of being, you know, six foot four, 200-plus pounds, having a lot of... Um, improvement kind of away from just being a scorer. I, I think as an NHL prospect, McDonough's better than God at it in that regard. But there, there's just certain guys that scored a hell of a lot of goals in the NCAA. It happens. Like the NCAA is a very different league than pro hockey is. So a lot of guys will have success there and not have success at uh, at the NHL level. It's why you have to, when you are scouting these guys and projecting these guys, you need to take that into account. You can't just look at stats and that's what I hate. I, you know, I hate people that just tell me like stats from elite prospects and I'm like, I get it. You looked at the stats. That's great. But you got to watch these guys play and watch what they're good at. Watch what they're bad at. Typical little things like that um, to see how they are going to transition to the NHL. So uh, final thing I'll wrap up before we get to Betway. Um, just quickly, I'll, I'll have a lot more on tomorrow's show. We'll do a whole uh, Alex can fire up the ticker. We'll have an Abbotsford one tomorrow. I'll be out there tonight uh, out in Abbotsford. Uh, probably going to talk to like Niels, talk to uh, Ratu, uh, maybe Baines as well. Uh, and then I want to bring up some of the quotes from uh, Ryan Johnson on tomorrow's show. So we got a lot of AHL stuff. And hey, on top of that, 
AHL head coach, Jeremy Carlton, who I'll talk to tonight. He's going to join the show tomorrow. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, everybody who's in the chat here, if you're in there tomorrow, get some questions in. We'll try and fire off some of your questions towards Carlton as well. Uh, excited to get him on the show. He's, he's been, you know, this quads. We've had him on before. He's a great guest. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm very excited to chat with him tomorrow. Uh, And and yeah, you'll have uh, some Abbotsford reporting uh, on tomorrow's show. So it should be a good one. Uh, Before we get to Betway, I'd like to say my dog was fairly quiet uh, during this show. Sure, my girlfriend was playing with with him in the other room. But uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's uh, just me and him during the show. So we'll see how he does. Uh, But yeah, he, he was pretty quiet during the show. Yeah, that's pretty good. Also, that people may notice this, you're not rushing to get out of here because you don't have to go home. You're already at home. That's right. I don't have to go catch a sky trade. All right. Well, um, let's get to Betway. I'll play a little. Uh, I'd like some background music for Betway now. So let's get to our Betway bets of the day. Well, Artie Party style. I think this is the way we're going to do this from now on. All right. Uh, Betway, 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 our bets of the day. Who do we got here? We're calling it an Artie Party when you're in that. Calling it an Artie Party, baby. We got the Ducks. We got the Kraken. I like that. We got Jared McCann, Jordan Eberle. One of them to score a goal in this game. Either or, minus 175 is what you need to hit there over on Betway, Betway, Betway. A $10 bet's going to return you 1571 if you get a goal from McCann or Eberle. And then our second bet, the big one, the Anaheim Ducks to win this game, but Jared McCann from the Kraken to put up two or more points in this game. So a weird bet, but you're getting it at plus 900. You're hoping for a lot of goals and a Ducks win in this one. $10 bet's going to return you $100 if you hit on that betway 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 bet the responsible way uh what else 18 no 19 just keep it safe if you're 19 if you're 19 you're good if you choose to play please play responsibly also quick shout out it's my girlfriend's birthday and i didn't even mention that so i uh, shout out to her little birthday shout out for her um okay we'll wrap it up there uh thanks did you get a text hold on did you get a text from her or something is she watching in the other room and she's like you didn't mention my birthday she's watching with the dog wow so she texted you and she's like wow Uh, you went this far yeah she 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 actually asked for it before the show and i was going to do it and then uh yeah it slipped my mind a little bit but uh it's okay well that's good uh, tell her uh, both if she's listening happy uh happy birthday um i'll get close to the camera happy birthday (laughs) Or we say I don't think we say your name on the show though, right? We don't say significant others' names. But happy birthday! You know who Not you are. Usually, you know who you are. Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up there uh, for my co-host Chris Faber and our technical producer Alex Allard. My name is Dave Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Already party, baby. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?